0: You should just start. Yeah, I, mean, I sort of do. Just, just ask, ask me we're a we're question. Do the, oh, we do oh the you program. need to do an introduction. Yeah,
1: and I'm bad at that. It's best actually when someone else does the, the person hey, I'm Hi,
0: I'm Rob Reed. This is the whatever the name of the podcast is. And today I've got Nicola Gunn. There, yes, here you go. Hi, that's,
1: that's honestly how it works best. <laughs> you, uh, Patricia Cornelius and Amelia Roper. Yeah, the three of you have just taken over and gone, okay. I'll just do it. Great. I think that works best. <laughs> Good. So I have that out of the way. Uh, though I will say uh, Nicola Gunn is one of Australia's, I would say, most intelligent theatre makers, one of her, our most um, interesting theatre makers, and one of my favourite theatre makers.
0: <laughs> that's, that's enough. That's enormous. <laughs> um,
1: that's true, though. Generous. Very true. So, before you began making the work that you make now, mm-hmm. which is the work that I think begins with At The Sands Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. You had been performing and making your own work for what, five years, six years? Uh,
0: So at the Sense Hotel, uh, I guess was in 2000, I made it from 2010 to 2011. It's sort of, uh, there was another iteration that was again, an improvement on the premiere, which was Mm. 2010. And before that, I'd been making my own work for nine years.
1: Nine years. Yeah, yeah. So you came straight, almost straight out of school into doing that, yeah?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm yeah. So I left school and made my first show immediately.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I saw a couple of those, mm-hmm. um while I wasn't doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh and they were kind of character based and they were uh sometimes comedic or they mm-hmm. had comedic elements, etc. Mm-hmm. Costumey and kind of very designy.
0: Yeah. I, always very Victorian Gothic.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um I was in
0: my Edward Gorey phase.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that really showed actually. Um yeah. uh, and and what we were talking about before was that you were saying how sometimes that seems a little kind of, I don't know, what would you describe it? Well, it comes down to the, the fact, fact that, that does,
0: I've, I've distanced myself yeah, exactly. from that work, that yeah, 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 it's yeah. not on my website. I don't talk about it.
1: Yeah. Which feels like a kind of disavowal of that work mm, mm. Um, as being something very different to the kind of work you make now, mm. which it's true. It is very different to the, mm. well, it's different to the work you make mm. now. But the reason I wanted to bring it up is because I see a really clear through line between Mm. that kind of work and the work you make now. And that through line to me is the way you play you now, Mm. that you are simultaneously you and not you Mm. in so many, if not all, of your contemporary works. Mm -mm. And in all of those characters in the old shows, I could still see you in them. Mm. I could see them as masks used to pull over you
0: yeah absolutely They were all sort of in some way aspects of me in some way or another yeah which like is kind very of a caricature aspect of myself
1: yeah yeah and that's kind of what you do mm. now too mm, but just mm. more you're more present as mm, you mm. so it's got kind of a more self-referential thing rather than having to design a character for yeah. that
0: yeah <laughs> no i think i mean i think that's true i think i mean all those works were yeah character driven and sort of story driven You know, I played multiple characters Mm. and... And
1: and really great kind of physicalizations of those characters too. Yeah, yeah.
0: And it kind of, I think because when I was at school, I always, and I always say this to, it's almost to justify why I went into that kind of genre of work or something or that style. I think it's because like the internet wasn't such a big thing. Oh, Yeah back then and where I went to school and where I studied we didn't use the internet and when we studied when I studied theater and it was always very classical theater and this idea of the play and drama Mm -hmm. and yeah just very conservative things and so I didn't really know what contemporary performance was Mm. I didn't have any mentors or teachers who showed me what contemporary performance was Mm. or there was yeah There was no source material for that, for that style of work. And, and I went overseas and I, I was really in love with the training I did at VCA with Mm. the movement teacher, Lisa Shelton. Mm. And we did a lot of Decrew movement and Mm -hmm. Decrew is a contemporary of Lecoq. Mm -hmm. And when I went overseas, I met a whole bunch of performance makers who studied at Lecoq. And they all made this kind of style of physical comedy, physical theatre. Yeah, yeah. And I just watched a whole bunch of it and I thought, well, I can do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And
0: so, that, that, so I just kind of modelled myself on them for a really long time. And my work, even though it was character-based, it was always autobiographical. Yeah, yeah. So the, the narratives or the stories always came from something in my life. Or something that had affected me, and I just started. I was camouflaging it always with these characters and these funny voices, and um, and then I, I sort of just yeah. After time, didn't f- feel like that was present enough, or that wasn't the kind of work I wanted to make anymore. Mm-hmm. So I sort of end up yeah d- dropping dropping that mask, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I think, and
0: but also I think through traveling, being exposed to other different f- forms of performance and I think a lot of it a lot of it started when I went back to study and I went back to study in 2008 because I was at this point where I didn't want to make that kind of clown comedy anymore Mm, mm, mm. and I felt like I had this real urge to move into something that was more contemporary
1: where was that you were studying
0: then I, I went back to VCA. Uh, oh, so you did I, the masters. I, I did no, I no, did. I did, I did animaturing. I did post grad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, Lisa Shelton, had always been a huge mentor um, in my life and really like profoundly um, affected me in my course. I mm-hmm. think my trajectory and and I was talking to her about my sort of dissatisfaction with what my what I was doing and my work and. And she was running the animaturing post-grad course at the time. And she said, why don't you come and do this course? Mm. And it was like the perfect place to sort of incubate and kind of form this new identity. Mm. So I kind of had a year in seclusion of like testing ideas and and being fed all this amazing material from Lisa and all the people that she brought in, stuff that I'd never heard of mm. and quarantine and then... Going to Acca all the time mm. and seeing all this amazing contemporary art. Uh, and- yeah, yeah, actually. yeah. So yeah. you know, so everything everything changed that year for me, and that's when things really started to shift. And I was um, hidden away testing out this kind of new identity.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And um, and that's where and that's where at the Sands Hotel was born. Mm. Really, from that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's again. That makes a lot of sense too. There's a kind of Like the description of the old work as being your kind of Edward Gorey phase Mm, into mm. a very kind of contemporary art sort of aesthetic Mm, to mm. even now your work, really. Mm. And I can see how, because I was going to Acker a lot and hanging out and seeing the kind of stuff around then as well. It it does look like the sort of, that sort of spaced out kind of non-indexical relationships and all that sort of stuff that you put on stage. Absolutely.
0: I mean, I remember there was this like key exhibition. There was a couple of really key exhibitions. Only one of them I can really remember the name of and the other one I can't even remember the name of the artist but he was a photographer and he did these sort of Mike Lee Ken Loach realistic photographs of like real working class people and of, of his family they yeah, were all yeah. very autobiographical and it's his family like his father was a drunk and really these horrendous photographs of his like family in council flat and and then he would always juxtapose those with something else and this other Salient exhibition was was titled Intimacy. And it was a group exhibition that was so beautifully curated. And it had um Sophie Cal and Louise Bourgeois and maybe Gillian Wearing and like all these mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. Like it was the first time I encountered Sophie Cal. And I think like it changed my life, mm. like seeing the, the first Sophie Cal work. And just for me having such an emotional and visceral response to language used so simply and so economically
2: Mm.
0: was this kind of real pivotal moment where I thought, well, you don't have to use intense floral language. You can actually just be simple and and just this like hidden complexity of her simplicity and that's when I just thought that's it. That's it. That's the essence of what I want to do. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: And like any good artist, you borrow and steal until you find your own voice. Yeah. yeah. And so quite literally, the character, I mean, I sort of played Nicola playing a character in At the Saint-Hotel, was a French woman called Sophie. Mm. And it was was sort of a homage, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. That 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 plugs a couple of gaps for me, actually.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's so everything is so it's so obvious when you when, when it's exposed, saying, yeah, yeah, you know. When you just go, oh god, it's yeah, so easy. Of she it's just, that. yeah, she just took Sophie Cal and that was it, and she yeah, just went yeah. with it.
1: Um, I think that notion of that kind of complexity and simplicity too <laughs> is a really good description for the work you do now mm-hmm. as well. Like, and I think. What I've seen of your stuff over the years has been a matter of it's it's it strikes me as it's a kind of winnowing away of some of the stuff as well because even mm. with uh, the Sands Hotel or at uh, Hello My Name Mm-mm. Is which was the second Can, next yeah work it was you did? the
0: one after yeah
1: yeah which which was kind of participatory mm, too much mm. more participatory than mm. sort of more your know, more recent mm. stuff had a lot more stuff in them I remember we talked at we talked about this kind of work in your new phase. Uh, like a million years ago when I was doing this before, um, when I was still on like YouTube, when I was still putting them up on Mm -hmm. YouTube. And I remember talking to you about, well, so what's your process? And your, your answer was first off, I was terrified that you would ask me that because I don't have a process. Um, but then you described your process as being, so what I do is I just put things that interest me on stage. And Gosh,
0: the- that's great. I should yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a development at the moment. And, again, I'm asking myself the same question. Yeah, what right. is my process? Yeah, I don't right. have a process. This is a nightmare. Well, I think that is your process. though. Yeah. That is
1: a process. Yeah. Anyway, that kind I of- put
0: something that interests me on stage. Yeah. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now that's it. Yeah, and
1: I, you I, like, I even remember just because I mean I heard these these interviews over and over when I edited them, and I still have that these little mm. fragments of them. Things like uh, you describing uh, you had a pair of yellow shoes, I think, and you just put them on stage, and that was enough for you. And i um, mm. and you could see that in the work back then of like yeah, lots of things on stage. They don't necessarily need to relate to each other mm. because they relate to each other through you. You're mm. the kind mm. of centre of that, and I think that still happens. Uh, So the most recent thing of yours I think I've seen was, um, what was the MTC thing? Working Working with with Children.
0: Children. children. Mm, My Um, my disaster. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Mm.
1: Oh, okay. Well, now I have to know why.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that's another really interesting project and I'm actually in the midst of remaking it. Oh, yeah? Uh, So I, I, yeah. So it was... Again, it was like I was transitioning. I wanted to try something a bit different with oh. my uh, mode of performance and this kind of voice. Mm. Um, and I was tr- I, I was interested in trying to make something that wasn't so friendly and accessible mm. and wasn't sort of asking to be liked.
1: you feel like your earlier work was?
0: Yeah, I feel like I, – well, I feel like deep down I want to – I actually want to be entertaining and yeah. I want to make people laugh and I want people to feel – and i want to give them something i want i want to create meaning mm. for people mm. and with this piece i feel like i wanted to care less about that and i wanted to care less about yeah being charming mm. so i was interested in this kind of more detached way of approaching the material and then the oh, i it, it was it's a very i was very confused when i made it because i had so many different interests mm. and i had and it was probably the product of some bad collaboration I mm, think like mm. I don't think not everything worked together mm. and perhaps it was bad leadership on my part all the sort of parts of the piece didn't quite come together and I I think I had I was working with a dramaturg at the time who I think ostensibly just didn't like the idea
2: Yeah, right. well, and that's problematic.
0: it was really problematic and it really threw me off and this kind of more abstract territory that I was interested in going in, he just didn't understand. Mm. And it really threw me off. And so then I was full of self-doubt. But it was just a combination of, yeah, having too many ideas, no focus, and oh, I think it's kind of the surmounting pressures of where I was presenting it. And mm. they were super, super supportive, mm. but there are certain um, mechanics of working in an in- institution like MTC yep. that affect process. Yeah, yeah. And it's these kind of, like, constant deadlines and this constant, like, it was a publicity and marketing department that really, like, gave me the shits more than anything. Yeah, yeah. Because I constantly wanted stuff to feed to their subscribers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, we need to make sure we're getting the right message across. And it wasn't like they were being supportive of whatever abstract shit I wanted to put on stage. They weren't. They wanted to make sure that it was... Digestible. Mm. You know, they kept asking me, like, what's the story? What's your character? And I kept saying, there is no story.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like,
0: I'm not playing a character. Do you know anything about me? Like, and that really frustrated me. Yeah, yeah. So then I ended up giving them some kind of marketing material that I guess perhaps trapped me Mm. that then I had to make that show.
1: Yeah, okay. And. that's interesting.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's just the nature of how things – I mean, they were so good to me in so mm. many ways. Yeah, and yeah. the fact that they even took a risk and, you know, programmed something that didn't exist yeah, yeah. is is a huge step for them. And I will – Never forget. I mean, they probably regret it. <laughs> they probably <laughs> hope that it goes away and they never have to think about it again. But no,
1: I'm pretty sure they're happy to have, be able to point to you and go, yeah, "Yeah, we had Nicola Gunn."
0: Well, yeah, I just don't think it was a success. Everybody hoped it would be,
1: and no, but they never are. None of them yeah. are the success because yeah. they have got what well, number one, they got wildly impossible expectations yeah. of the work that they program. Yeah, and two, I think your uh, your observation of that kind of the march of deadlines for yeah. a company that's that size. Is a really astute one mm. Because I worked with them For nearly four years On the shows that I did Yeah And I had the same Roughly the same experience Mm-mm. Of going Okay well it's got to Suit certain things It's got to hit certain marks yeah. It's got to hit And it's a constant Kind of back and forth Of going Well the work is developing as the work develops and yeah. the more you make me write, you pitch documents, the more you might make me write explanations for publicity and marketing and stuff like that, yeah. the more it hectors the piece into being something that may not be what it needs yeah. to be. Yeah,
0: and it's it's true and I think, you know, I was contracted probably two years prior or something for, for something that was a solo work
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I, I didn't want to actually make a solo work. Mm. At, at one point I th- decided I don't want to make a solo work, mm. but I had, I, I was stuck yeah, 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 and the seasons st- kept getting longer and bigger and it was epic. Yeah. It was like four weeks of like sometimes doing eight shows a week.
1: Yeah, yeah, right.
0: And I know from my experience of doing ghetto blaster, like that brutalizes my body. Like yeah. it's so mentally and emotionally draining to perform that work. I just thought I need to make something that, can protect me for eight shows a week for four weeks.
1: Yeah, right. Like I need
0: to make something that is safe. Mm. And I ended up making something that was so safe, it was like soporific.
1: Mm. <laughs> it, I, it, I, I, I will say it baffled a lot of my students.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. Yeah, yeah. There was actually, there was this one moment that happened. I don't know if you probably, wasn't the performance you were at, but I actually walked off stage. Oh, um, yeah,
1: no, I don't think so. Well, I mean, you did walk off stage at one point.
0: Yeah. I mean- no, I left. I just stopped the, doing the show. And it was my favorite moment in that whole season. I just thought, wow, this is amazing. Because it, it was a really bad performance for some reason. It was maybe a Tuesday night or mm. a Monday night. Mm. And about eight people in the audience left Mm. or one person left and then it kind of opened the floodgates and all Mm. these people were leaving and it was maybe like halfway through and I just I felt incredibly fragile in that moment because I also wasn't particularly happy with the piece Mm. I was a bit like yeah I don't want to do it either Mm. like man this is hard for me don't like this is hard and I think the last, like the eighth person left or something. And then I just stopped. I just said, sorry, guys, I can't do this tonight. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do this tonight. And then I walked off stage. Mm. And and then the rest of the audience were in shock. Mm. Everyone was in shock. I was in shock. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't believe that I did that Mm. at the MTC. I didn't think that was possible. And it's absolutely possible. Of course it is. It's
1: the great thing about theatre.
0: No one expects a performer to walk out of their show. Yeah. And I thought, that's amazing. That's amazing that that just happened. What an amazing moment. It's so rock star. That's so memorable. That's yeah. going to just – no one's going to forget that.
2: Yeah.
0: And the rest of the audience, it, it, it woke them up.
2: Yeah, yeah. It
0: absolutely woke them up. It was such a jarring moment of presence. Yeah. I've been fascinated by it ever since. And they all, of course – they all wanted to stay even more. They yeah, were like, no, we really want to stay. You'd
1: think some, a lot of them surely knowing the kind of work that they would be expecting from you, the MTC yeah. audience would be expecting from you, would yeah. be sitting there going, no, that's not real. She'll be back in a minute.
0: Yeah, yeah, possibly. But then, yeah, then the stage manager said, no, it's really over. Like, you have to leave. Oh, it was exhilarating. Fascinating. It was exhilarating. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I should – I mean, it's not something people should generally do, I guess. But, I mean, I've been really interested in that um that unrehearsed this idea of the unrehearsed moment mm. is now my new obsession. Mm. How how to and even like the idea of constructing an unrehearsed moment, like how do you how do you how do you create systems that allows that for space for an unrehearsed moment? Or
1: oh, workhouse, okay. so you need to look at games and play because yeah. games and play are about creating systems Strategy. that allow for okay. that stuff. Yeah. We I just spent seven years doing it of with Playground, right? And it's all yeah. about Fundamentally, it depends, right? So, for for me, that stuff is about an unstructured moment because I'm inviting the audience to come and yes. play, and they need rules to know how they can contribute meaningfully. But to create a space like you're talking about, and I, the, the, even the description of it is amazing to me because I, um, the reason I don't, well, and there's a lot of reasons I don't act anymore. But the re- main reason for me I don't act anymore is because I just it's boring. It's so, okay, I do these lines now, I do these lines now, and I move over here and I do these lines now. And even if it's like, oh, yeah, bugger my blocking, I'm going to go wherever I want, the show's going to happen the way the show happens. Mm -mm. And the only moments that I used to really, really, really enjoy were those moments when I don't know what
0: my lines are. Yeah, when something went wrong.
1: When something goes wrong and everyone's looking going, what do we do, what do we do? And suddenly all of the audience are back in the room. Yeah. You can feel every set of single eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that, I love that.
0: I love that too, but you can't engineer something no. to go wrong because then it becomes a gimmick. Yeah, because
1: it's not going wrong if it's supposed and to so, go wrong.
0: So, yeah, how do you... And I'm really fascinated with this. And I... Yeah, so at the moment, I can't think of anything, but I should maybe look more into games and play. But mm. I, I mean, I'm thinking about, like, strategies or systems. And at the moment, I, I guess the one thing I think of that something that makes me feel very vulnerable and uncomfortable and that isn't very live is the post-show talk. Oh, yeah. And I'm wondering... Yeah, what is it about the post show talk? And can a po, you know, it's not a new idea, but can how how to integrate some aspect of the post show talk in the performance?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Or to, I don't know, because I feel like, yeah, that that those are also interesting moments for me Mm. where I'm sort of asked to comment on this thing that I've just made and it's all very raw and everyone is. It put on this. I don't know. It's a very funny moment. Yeah. Everyone feels forced into it and (laughs) you just. Yeah, yeah. I don't know.
1: I think there are structures in those moments, though, that audiences know what to do and what to expect in those moments. Mm -hmm. And so there are so many things that are. I mean, this is why when you throw it open to questions from the audience and you get the, where do you get your ideas and who came up with the set yeah, and like yeah. all that kind of, cause, because these are the questions we ask in this moment. Yeah. So you got to find a way of interrupting the, the moment itself, the moment yeah. of the expectation, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I mean, it would be interesting. Yeah. I don't know, but you, yeah. Can you comment on someone's question and say, that's a, that's a, not that question's not good enough or yeah, that's a stupid yeah. question i mean you, you always hear the collective groan in the audience when someone asks a question about yeah. something like that's a lot of lines and did you write yeah, that you yourself your yeah, you know yeah. and you feel this collective groan of people being really embarrassed and and then i with good grace always answer things very sincerely and seriously yeah but even though i'm internally rolling my eyes but um and i wonder like well, can I break that social code? Can I actually just go, that's, I'm just, don't even bother me with that question. Yeah, yeah. It's really redundant.
1: I think that'll work for a bit, but then you'll get the gloss of being, uh, well, you're just the rude artist, right? And then that's a new way of engaging. I
0: know, and then you, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it's... um,
1: I think humans... um, Resist chaos, though, mm-hmm. right? Like, in, and when they're confronted by chaos, it's shocking for a while, but the more you're exposed to it, the more we build up ways of being able to manage chaos around chaos. Mm-hmm. So, in those moments where you go, fuck it, I can't, I'm leaving the stage. Oh, okay, that's full on. But then, if you were to do that every night, even if it's not necessarily oh, it every a night,
0: what yeah. becomes a pattern, it yeah. becomes,
1: you become vicious, right? Yeah. Yes, spit on me, spit on me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, that's. So again, I mean and and this idea of the unrehearsed moment, I mean it I haven't done a work as participatory as Hello My Name is for a while. And because I really hate audience participation, yeah, yeah. I really hate when I have to endure it as an audience member. Yeah. But I'm I love it still at the same I mean, I'm compelled to do it because I'm a solo performer and I like to remind everyone that like I know that you're there. Yeah, yeah and yeah. you're there. Just yeah, let's acknowledge that. Mm. Um, but I I'm really drawn to audience participation and I do it in a more subtle way, just by even having no fourth wall, like talking to people. Mm. But I, I feel like, yeah, how, is the audience somehow now implicated in this unrehearsed moment? Mm. Um, I mean, am I going back to this, like, how do I find new forms of participation that isn't, you know, horrific for mm. everyone mm. and terrifying, but I love, yeah I mean, hello, my name is was really traumatizing to perform, actually, really, yeah, in a funny way, um just I think this forced participation mm. and knowing that it was very i mean and and the whole problem i mean the whole the whole arc of the show is that I know it's forced. I know it's horrible, but you have to work through that mm. to the to get to this you know, it was supposed to be some sublime moment at the end where all that forced participation makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, That's the way everyone's standing around holding hands. Exactly. They, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, And then watching themselves. It's standing around holding hands, yes, but actually watching the replay of the video mm. of them doing this forced participation mm. and either – Genuinely actually catching themselves have fun or catching themselves rolling their eyes and Mm. yawning or, Mm. you know, just being aware of how they behave. And that for me, it was all for that moment of just like doing this forced participation so that I can show them how they are in these moments Mm -hmm. um, and how we are. But it was always really traumatising for me because I, I, I knew how repellent it was for people and how resistant they were and it's
1: yeah well because it asks something like um those first sort of uh five ten minutes of um hello my name mm. is where we're all going okay yes we're going to play along with yeah. the fact that it's a um, community, community center, center and it's a and,
2: workshop yeah and, yeah,
1: yeah etc and I think particularly because the kind of audience you're going to draw to a work like that mm. at Theatre Works is going to go, yes, all right, I'll play along. Mm-hmm. Yes, all right, I'll be here for this. And mm-hmm. like, okay, what did you want from me? All right, I'll mm-hmm. do that. There's no agency in that, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there there are two kinds of ways of doing that. Either the grudging kind of, okay, I'll do whatever, mm-hmm. or the, yes, I love to participate mm-hmm. kind of participation of the people who really desperately want to get up on stage anyway. Yeah. Um, that
0: is interesting. I didn't give the audience any agency. Mm, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess I haven't really thought about that. But, yeah, that's horrible.
1: Well, the- <laughs> <laughs> um, well,
0: very little, yeah. very little
1: uh, air quote, participatory theatre gives you agency. It's yeah. one of the things that frustrates me about it is the kind of it promises you agency and then doesn't give it to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. I've always... Yeah Because you've got to be able to yeah. be
1: responsive to it, right? Like mm. you've got to let it ch- The input that an audience makes Have meaning mm. by letting it change the work
0: It's true And if you don't participate, there is no work Yeah And you know that So it's like, oh, shit Yeah, yeah Okay, this is the contract, okay Yeah, really interesting And it's funny because I think so much about agency My own agency <laughs> yeah. But I don't really care so much about other people's In my work That's really interesting Oh, wow
2: mm. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: um I mean I I mean it but this is this is the problem with me and my process is like everything's okay as long as I'm in charge. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. um and this is why I do find it so hard to collaborate, I think, and be uh like a subordinate or something or not not yeah, be out of control.
1: I think that's Not necessarily a bad thing, though. Like, Mm. if you can reckon – I mean, I'm not the world's greatest collaborator Mm. either, realistic. Well, I can do it, but it's a matter of I will just subordinate myself entirely Mm. and go, all right, I'll do whatever. Unless I'm in control of the thing, in which case I can lead a room of people. I can go, yeah, okay, Mm. let's go do a thing. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Yeah, great, we do together. But I think the best projects have a clear kind of artistic leadership Mm. and – And I'm not going to be satisfied unless it's mine because everyone Mm. else is usually wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I see the face that says, yes, everyone's always. Yeah,
0: well, no. I mean, for me, I think I used to – no, I don't think so much. I don't think that way so much anymore. I just know that – I think – I mean, I think all my design collaborators have – and a lot of my collaborators have much better ideas than I do Mm. in terms of – you know, certain aspects. Mm. But all I know is that the material is mine and it's Mm. deeply personal and only I know what it means.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: It's like this nuanced thing of like no one else is really going to understand this the same way I do. Yeah, yeah. So I have to – it's only up to me to somehow communicate this feeling because you can't – you don't know what's in my body. So. I think that's kind of where it differ- it differs. But I mean, for me now, it's like I have maybe ideas for sound or lighting, but I just instantly go, well, if it's my idea for sound or for lighting, it's got to be crap. You've got to come up with something better than this because yeah. I'm giving you like first impulse cliche. This is like a bad idea. I want you to extend on this and yeah. bring me something brilliant. And that's kind of now, like, the demands I have on yeah, my yeah. collaborators. Yeah, yeah.
1: You have long-term collaborators that you have kept going back to work with, though. Yeah. Like, you've worked with Pierre a lot, for example.
0: Pierre Carthew? Yeah. Oh, he doesn't work in theatre anymore. He worked with me on Hello, My Name Is. Yeah. And I'm um, playing shop. And in both instances, he was um, like a photographer, videographer. Oh, okay. Um, but might I... Might be w- playing shop that makes me think Yeah. yeah. No, I, Gwen, I mean, Gwen Gilchrist... Hmm. As a kind of a production manager, um, sometimes lighting designer, collaborator, has kind of been with me since 2005. Mm. I mean, there are some people that I keep going back to, but I also always shake things up. And I mean, Kelly Ryle, I've worked with a bit mm. and Nick Roo, and Martin Coutts and mm. But um, mostly it's me and Gwen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I always like Emma Valente is someone I always talk to about all my ideas. Yeah. So while she's never directly being paid, uh, <laughs> yeah, she yeah. she is paying for she is paying for it in other ways. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, she's always on the end of on the line for me. It's
1: I guess it's a, it's good to have people who are outside of the work who can offer dramaturgical feedback on the ideas before you go too far with them too, right? Mm-hmm. So that they're still mine, but they're influenced by. I can hear what you say, but I don't have to take any of it on board yeah. necessarily.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always danger in that too mm. of sharing something that isn't formed yet because mm. it can kill it. Mm. But uh, also for me I guess I find um I th- thinking through talking and thinking through writing. Yeah, yeah. So I think first of all I have to do it by myself so I have to think through writing.
2: Yeah.
0: And then I need to think through talking. Um and that's I think where my ideas Become well. It's where my ideas become get clarified. Yeah, yeah. And um, where they get focused. Um, when you actually have to communicate it to someone, you kind of realize, oh yeah, no, this is it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So when you yeah. write, are you writing, that's writing notes, etc. Or are you already started? I no, mean, I'm writing whatever, right?
0: like I don't know. I mean, my scripts are basically, <laughs> you know, I guess uh, the basis level. They're basically just diary entries. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I have a a journal or a, I mean, I, I hate the word diary, I hate the word journal. I call it a notebook. Uh Um, so I have a notebook where I write everything, Uh um, could be shopping lists. It could be observations, you know, crisis moments, whatever. Uh So usually a script's become the, it's the accumulation of all that time that's happened, while I've been thinking about this subject
2: Mm, mm.
0: and that's kind of and there's scripts and pretty much because I find that when I'm interested in a theme or a subject I see the world through that lens like it's inescapable and so everything I write in my notebook is affected by it so basically scripts kind of a first draft is always taken from my notebook and these kinds of you know diary entries for want of a better word yeah yeah and then they can just get refined yeah, yeah. and I don't know, just jazzed, jazzed up a bit. Like you have to kind of find other layers to mm. it. Like what is the tension or finding tension in the script? Or-
1: the archivist in me is desperate to ask, do you keep those? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. yeah, good.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and of course, of course there is this tiny part of me always thinking when I write into my notebook, oh, these are going to be under a glass case one day. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, of course, like I'm, it's like I'm writing them to be read. Okay, good. You know. Good. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's the kind of, I mean, it's a funny, it's a funny part of my brain. or
2: something.
1: I don't think you're alone. Yeah. I know, in no, fact, I, I know you're not alone because no, I I'm, still, my mum's trying to get me to get rid of all of the crap that I have collected. I'm like, you've got hundreds of these things. You don't need them anymore. Yeah. But you don't understand. What if a museum wants them one I know, day? I know,
0: I know. These are valuable. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think yours yeah. probably more than no, mine, I just... mine. Mine is just promotional stuff, whereas yours is actually the working out of the brain yeah, of the genius. Yeah, it's the working
0: so. out. Oh, I don't know about that, but it's it's the working There's a lot of, oh, I can't believe my boyfriend's such an asshole. Um, you know, there's a lot of that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, with all the other stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I think is quite nice. It shows the humanity or just the, yeah, the dumbness. Yeah, We're, you know, we're really multifaceted. Yeah, yeah. We're just totally dumb and really smart. Within two pages So
1: Well you know Like some people do Have have Like I've, I know I've seen Nick Cave's diaries Oh yeah That are On one side is lists of You know here's lyrics for Release the bats And then on the next page Is just uh, Like is a drawing Plus a shopping list Plus something nasty Yeah And, like, and yeah. they've got all of them Yeah So you know You'd be yeah. in good You'd be uh, in good company
0: Yeah
1: Yeah What are you working on at the moment?
0: Well um, at the moment I'm remaking Working with children Yep so I am uh, really tearing it apart, tearing the script apart, and I I have a much stronger f- direction with it. And I think also it helps uh, not having the context of the MTC. Yeah. So I can make something that is truly abstract in the way that it's an investigation of vulnerability. Yeah. Um. It it it's not a story. It's like it's not a narrative. It's just me excavating something that I'm really interested in, which is like the problem, the the problem of intimacy and exposure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I don't have to justify that to anyone in the contemporary performance context so it's going back to a form that I'm really interested in, which is, I guess, writing my scripts also as if they're essays. Mm. So it's um, a script as a performance essay. So really just attending to this theme of vulnerability and intimacy and what it is to feel exposed or to be exposed and actually having a child in the work um, as well. And, yeah.
1: Sorry for a moment there. I was like, wait, are you... Telling me that you're pregnant at the moment, but no, no, no. having no. a child in no, like no, in the I'm middle not, of it. No, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna
0: I'm gonna I'm it. borrowing someone else's child. Yep. yep. And I'm I'm use, I'm putting them in the show.
2: Yeah, right. Um How old?
0: Uh thirteen. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So really kind of interesting age. Yeah, yeah. And same
1: kind of thing. Like so with working with children that great kind of well the the text of that. Was yeah. that story of you trying to unpack yeah. so, the question being asked Yeah. The director?
0: Yeah, I'm not so interested in that anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm really more interested in the disconnected fragments at the beginning, mm-hmm. these sort of anecdotes, and extending on that form of like this accumulation of anecdotes that seemingly go nowhere mm-hmm. or like what is this amounting to and maybe nothing, I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just the accumulation is the thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But working with a child... And working with choreography as well, and the kind of and the the relationship between physicality and language, and um, expanding on uh, the choreography was always this kind of loop, this very kind of monotonous, yeah, yeah, repetitive loop. And I'm playing with the loop and expanding it so that the loop, just the looper movement, gets kind of bigger and bigger and bigger, okay. and it is kind of interrupted. And I'm treating it kind of like a pedagogical exercise. Mm-hmm because um, at the moment the the young person who's in it is not rehearsed. It's someone who maybe we have a couple of – we have a session together, but mm-hmm. it's about me teaching them something. So the audience is watching the learning. Ah, yeah. Which okay. is something I'm really interested in. So it, it's kind of like a live pedagogical exercise. Yeah, right. Um, it has a really I, – I did a development in Norway recently, and I'm doing a development now, and it has a very strange – like. Uncannily, discomforting feeling, but the audience tend to be listening to the work and watching the show through the lens of this young person on stage. Mm. So everything that I say, they're kind of like listening to it through the lens of having this young person. And so it completely reframes everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's fascinating that just the presence of a child can do that. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm interested in and interested in exploiting it. Absolutely.
1: To, to wind it back to where we were before as well This is maybe a good way of exploring the unrehearsed moment too yeah. Because a child may well do something very surprising Or very unexpected in those yeah. moments That will unsettle
0: an audience as yeah. much as you, you know. Well, possibly But the funny thing about 13-year-olds Is that they the likelihood of that happening is very slim oh, Because yeah? 13-year-olds are very self-conscious And very self-aware oh, yeah. And don't want to do anything that um, prevents them from fitting in
2: yeah, yeah,
0: They don't want to draw attention to themselves is what what I find really interesting yeah right. and so the idea that having a child I mean I, I don't know if, I mean if I should say this I mean' it'd be, I'd love to be proven wrong, but I just I, I spent a bit of time and maybe 13 is different but I spent a bit of time with some 14 and 50, 15 year olds recently and they just were so kind of mortified at having to do anything by themselves in the space like being looked at by everyone and like risking doing anything slightly embarrassing. And it means, like, exclusion from the group. They just yeah, want to yeah. fit in. They don't want to draw attention to themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah which I which I find fascinating.
1: Mm, that is interesting. I, the, the only kids that age that I sort of have familiarity with or can remember being even a part of was drama students. Yeah. And drama students don't have that problem.
0: They don't have that same inhibition, no, yeah. No. Well, that's, I mean... Yeah, that's a whole nother problem But I mean, I was As a child, I was the same I was very Yeah, I just was meek Like I didn't want to have any strong opinions Mm. I just wanted to fit in I wanted just to be I wanted to be popular And Mm. I wanted to You know, I just I was really boring Like really So I was so fearful Mm. I was so fearful
1: Were you kind of accepted though? Like did you fit in?
0: Uh, I did in that way That I was like the class clown Yeah You know Like in a like I was really the class clown. Like yeah. I was the jokester. Yeah, yeah. Of of the group, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, but, you know, me too. Yeah. Like, don't feel yeah. like that's awkward. Or no, anything. I just, I just think it's so funny. Like, yeah. of course, you know, I fit in by trying to be funny.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I have, I have kept you long enough. Well, of course, I'd like to thank you for your time, Nicola. No problem. You have been listening to the Witness Interview podcast. We've been speaking with Nicola Gunn. The sound and recording is by Ben Keen, and I'm Robert Reed. I think that's about it. You think I'm Robert Reed? Yeah, I'm right. definitely, I'm definitely, well, I'm one of them anyway. Of them. Yeah. You're, you're I am, whether I'm this one or not is up for question.